can add a single day by worrying you worry your life away oh don't worry your life away you can't change a single thing by freaking out it's just gonna close you in oh don't let the trouble win You're not on your own. La 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 la. If he can hold the world, he can hold this moment. La 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 la. Not a field or a flower escapes his notice. Oh, even the sparrow knows he holds tomorrow. To miss everything can change when you make it his. Oh, he wants to carry it free in the care of God. When you let it go, you find that he's enough. Oh, you never leave his love. Don't walk Nothing broken, he can't remake. If you long for hope when you're afraid, oh, 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 look at the sparrow. Look at the sparrow. La la la, la 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 la. If he can hold the world, he can hold this moment. La la la. La 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 la, not a field or flower escapes his notice. Oh, 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 even the sparrow knows he holds tomorrow. Even the sparrow knows he holds tomorrow. Good morning. We'd like to welcome you to church as we gather together as God's people. We're going to begin this morning with an, an announcement from Jess Wardinger, who's one of our Sunday School co-superintendents. Good morning. This year has seen a lot of changes for Jamie Potter and I as we wrap up our second year as Sunday School superintendents. As you may know, the majority of our Sunday School classrooms have started a new curriculum this year called Bible Studies for Life. We found a lot of excitement from families and from kids about what's happening in Sunday school and how it's translating to life at home through conversations and monthly devotionals that expand on the content the kids are learning every Sunday morning. So in our house, on any given Sunday, our three-year-olds and our fourth graders are learning Bible stories based on the same lesson content. So my Isaac, who's three, can start out our lunchtime conversations telling us what his Bible story is. 
Elliot, who's five, can fill in the gaps that Isaac might have missed. And Adeline, at the ripe old age of eight, can give us the details and the application parts that are missing from those stories. It's revolutionized our time as a family. We can't say enough good things about it. As we embark on the month of April, our Sunday school theme is Jesus is Alive. Today, students are learning about the miracles that Jesus performed, and in the next several weeks, they'll explore the triumphal entry, crucifixion and resurrection that Thomas believed in the ascension. It's going to be a full month of learning over in the CE building. One of the other exciting aspects about our Sunday school is that all the grades are now learning the same memory verse for the entire month. So my challenge for you, our congregation, is to learn this verse with us. We've been really encouraging our kids that the church family who loves them and knows them wants to learn with them too. So this month, our verse is Luke 1.37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Would you commit to learning this verse with us? Thank you. Thank you, Jess. Please stand and join us as we continue in worship together. In my wrestling and in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. In the silence, you won't let go. In the questions, your truth will hold. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubles. Oh! 
For God so loved this sinful world, His only Son He freely gave, that whosoever should believe, eternal life should have. I was a wayward wandering child. I was a slave to sin and fear. Until this blessed God
of your great sacrifice in sending your son to die once for all. We ask, Lord, as we continue in worship today that you would open our hearts, open our minds, make us ready to learn from you about how you see us, about how you love us, and how that can change our lives and how we act and how we treat others. Change us this morning, Lord. Continue to work in our lives. We, we ask these things in your holy name. Yeah. 
Please be seated. Father, it is uh, it's an awesome thing to think about who you are, how you feel about this world, all the ways you're at work in this world. As we come in worship today, our prayer is that you would reveal yourself to us and that you would help us to be open to you. Father, one of the ways in which we we connect with you and with each other is when we pray. And today we bring before you the burdens and the concerns of our lives, of our the various communities where we live, this nation, this world. And we ask for your grace. We pray your comforting presence upon all who are grieving today. And we think particularly of Bruce Campbell and his family at the death of his father yesterday. Comfort them in their grief and loss. We pray for all who are struggling with illness and and pain. All the ways in which uh, this world brings difficulty and and struggle to us. And we pray that you will bring healing to those who are in pain. We pray that you will restore relationships that are fractured. We pray that you will give us strength for the tasks that are before us. We pray that you would give us Uh, the ability to trust you about the future that looks so uncertain. In all of life, help us to sense that you are at work. We thank you for the ministries of this church, particularly for our children's Sunday school. Thank you for all of the leaders, the teachers, the helpers, and most of all, we thank you for our children. They are a gift to us from you. And we pray that you will help us to to do everything in our power to nurture them in the faith of Jesus Christ. And we pray that all of these children would have a yearning, a desire to live their lives in relationship with you. We pray for the churches around us. We pray especially today for the York's Corners Mennonite Church and Pastor Miller. Ask your grace upon them that you would you would bless their worship, that you would bless their fellowship, and that you would bless their witness. Father, we do pray for our nation. We know there is a lot of divisiveness and turmoil and difficulty right now. And we pray that you will help us to be catalysts of love and unity in you. In the midst of so many ways in which we are divided. We pray you'd make us agents of change, agents that of, of your kingdom who, who help people see that you alone are the source of unity and love. And Father, we pray for this world in which we live. It's a world that you've created, you love. Forgive us for all the ways in which we have ignored or worse destroyed your world. We pray for people all over the world who are struggling with violence and war and for refugees who are looking for a place to live, for people who are in turmoil for a variety of reasons. 
We ask you, Father, to bless your church around the world. We thank you for the ministry of the Jesus film, this amazing production of the life of Jesus that has reached millions upon millions of people. So many have opened their hearts to you after viewing it, and may that continue to be a channel through which people understand who you are. And Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Tajikistan. We ask that you would bless them. We pray that you would protect them from the ways in which they are being persecuted. Give them courage. And give them a spirit of grace, even among those who treat them so poorly. Father, thank you for being present with us today. Thank you for hearing our prayers today and every day. Thank you for the privilege of worshiping you. And we pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Mark, chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Would you please stand for the reading of the gospel? He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed after, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Before you're seated, share a word of greeting with others who are here to worship today. You probably noticed there's a, a few inserts. There are a few inserts in your bulletin, and uh, let me just highlight a couple of those things. Uh, if you're going to be around in uh, May, uh, the summer, love to have you help out in the nursery. And you see an insert there about being able to do that and ministry to children and helping others. Also, if you're going to be here Easter, uh, or you're not, you can still contribute. But uh, the youth group is is uh, planning a preparing the Easter breakfast for Sunday morning, uh, on Easter morning. They've done this for a few years. And uh, we're collecting some food to help out. It's a fundraising event for them. 
to be able to help go on a mission trip later this summer. And so if you can contribute some items you see there. Also, on Easter morning, it's been our tradition for many years to uh, have a baptism service in the early gathering at 745. And I'm having a baptism class tomorrow afternoon, Tuesday afternoon. If you're interested in that, please let me know. Uh, if you don't let me know, you can come tomorrow at 3.30, Tuesday at 4. If, those, if you want to be baptized and those aren't good times for you, let me know. And we'll see what we can work out to help you get prepared. So uh, that will be, uh, that will be uh, tomorrow and Tuesday. And uh, also, um, we're signing up people to be a part of the directory. Uh, and we're working on a new pictorial directory that um, hopefully a lot of you will be a, pa- a part of. And we're signing up that, for that after the service uh, today and the next couple of weeks. And tonight we have a special event planned. Uh, our intern this semester, Will Bruno, senior at the college, is going to be preaching tonight here in the sanctuary. And I'd love to have you be a part of this, support him. We'll have some time of singing together and, uh, and then a chance to hear him uh, preach as we support him on the, as he continues on his call to ministry. So we invite you here at 5, and uh, we'll be done probably a quarter to 6 or so. So if you're in a small group or a youth group, uh, it won't uh, affect you being a part of those things. And the other insert in your bulletin is about the Easter path. And this is an event happening uh, Friday. Sorry, Wednesday. Um, I'm getting, having trouble here. I coughed with this in my, my earlier, and uh, it was just kind of exploded, so I was trying not to do that. Wednesday is the Easter Path event, 5 to 6.30 in the community room right behind us here. And uh, this is a, uh, an event that's designed for children and their families, but everybody is welcome. And to sort of take us through the, the uh, events of Holy Week, beginning of Palm Sunday up through Easter. And uh, it's just a, an opportunity to experience that. We also are doing a Good Friday Journey to the Cross event, and uh, we'll have more information next week about that, but that will be on Good Friday throughout the day from like 10 to 6, and uh, an opportunity to engage uh, in the cross in that as well. When we talk about, um, one of the things that I was thinking about related to this, this idea of the Easter path and Holy Week, as the time is drawing near uh, for Jesus to come, we get more and more of a sense of the purpose of his coming. And um, one of the questions that's been going through my mind is, why does Jesus come and die? Why is it that Jesus comes to earth and dies on the cross? What is the point? What's he trying to accomplish? I think our initial answer is so that we can have forgiveness of sin. And that's true. It is that. But is that all that Jesus comes to do? Is that, is that the extent of why Jesus comes and goes to the cross? I think when you read the scriptures, more than that. I think Jesus comes and, and comes to earth, goes to the cross, to, yes, to give us the ability to forgive our, have our sins forgiven by him, but also to, to live lives of joy and peace, to live abundant lives, to live lives that are set free. Sometimes I think we think of the faith, we think of being a Christian as we pray a prayer and we're good and that's the end. But the reality is that's the beginning. And the goal of the Christian life, the reason for Christ's coming is so much bigger, so much more. God wants us to have a relationship with him. He wants us to know him as as our creator. And he wants us to experience the fullness of his blessing and who he is. That's why Jesus comes. And that's what Jesus, the point Jesus is trying to get to here in Mark chapter 8 in the passage we just read. 
as the days are drawing closer of Jesus' crucifixion, he has this conversation with his disciples. And he says to them, it's not going to be very long. The days are pretty short. And I'm going, the Son of Man, me, I'm going to be, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And Peter says, whoa, 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 wait a second. I just told you a little bit ago that I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you are the one we've been waiting for. So you need to understand, Jesus, the Son of God does not suffer and die. The anointed one of God, the Messiah, does not suffer and die. The anointed one, the Messiah, is power and might and strength. The anointed one doesn't let his enemies defeat him. He crushes his enemies. You've got to stop talking like this, Jesus. This is totally wrong. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, you're exactly right, Peter. I don't know what I was thinking. I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I am the Son of God. I am the anointed one. I am the Messiah to come. And yeah, this is about my power. And this is about crushing my enemies with my power. I don't know what came over me. Thank you, Peter, for setting me straight. He says, get behind me, Satan. Because you aren't thinking the way God thinks. You're thinking the way human beings think. And in our world, you win by power. You win by might. You win by having the most and getting the most. But in the kingdom of God, you win by a very different formula. And Jesus then goes on to say, look, let me talk to you about what it means to be my disciple. And in verse 34, he says, there are three components to this, and they're really not necessarily all that distinct. They're just different ways of saying the same thing. But he says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself. You have to give up your own way. Give up your rights. It is one of the most difficult things in the world for us to do is to give up our rights because we live for our rights. We fight for our rights. That's what everyone does. And in this world, to get ahead, to be recognized, what do we do? We fight for our rights. It's the formula that works and people use and, and we use it. We don't want to give up our rights. We want to grab our rights. And the church has a history of both. Sometimes we're not too bad at giving up our rights, and often we are not too good at giving up our rights. But the call of Jesus to be a disciple, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you live with a mindset of of always looking for ways to deny yourself, to give up what is rightfully yours. And giving up our rights doesn't mean we aren't right. In fact, that's the whole point. It's easy to give up when you're wrong, sometimes. But when you know you're right, when you know that your cause is just, when you know that you have the right perspective, when you have a a biblical idea of this issue, it is difficult to step back and say, it's not about my rights. The gospel calls us to think more about the rights of other people than about our own. I read an article a few months ago by a gentleman named Carl Vaders, and the, the title grabs me. You know how sometimes you look at, you see something, you see a title, and it's like, whoa, I've got to read that. And the title of the article was, I'm Offended by Easily Offended Christians. Yeah, I want to read that article. 
And he talks in this article about how Christians, quite frankly, have a reputation of being really easily offended. And, and we have a reputation of being easily offended because we're thinking more about our rights. We're thinking about what I want, what I get, what I deserve, and, and, and we become very easily defended. And so we start going off on all these campaigns about things that, quite frankly, are, if you boil them down, are, I, we want our rights. And he says the church has then become irrelevant because that's what everybody does. And he says, what if, what if people, when they think about the church, instead think, you know what, you cannot upset those Christians about anything unless you're talking about how many children go to bed hungry at night or racism or the most vulnerable people in the town or the community or the nation or the world. Or about people who are truly persecuted and their lives are at stake. Wouldn't it be something if that was the mindset that people had about us? That when they thought about Christians, they said, one thing you can count on about Christians, you may disagree with them about everything, but the one thing you have to give them is that you just don't see them fighting for their rights. Because they're spending so much time fighting for the rights of other people. There's something of that in what Jesus is saying here. But he also says that we need to take up our cross. When Jesus takes up the cross, what he's doing on the cross is taking upon himself the sins of the world. In the gospel stories, it tells us that Jesus hanging on the cross says, Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there are some who believe that God actually turns his face away from Jesus. He can't stand to look at him because all the sin of the world is on Jesus and he can't look at it. I I, I have a hard time with that because I don't think God turns his face away from anyone. But I think Jesus feels like the Father has turned his face away. He feels deserted because that's how we feel when when we live with the shame of our sin. You know those moments when you know you've done the wrong thing and you're overwhelmed with guilt and shame. How do you think in those moments, what do you think God is thinking about you? That's how Jesus was feeling, even more so. This is the very first time he has ever experienced that. Why would he go through that? Because the love of God is willing to take upon himself the sins of the world, the shame, the guilt. And the call of the gospel to be a disciple of Jesus is to be willing to take upon ourselves the pain and the sin and the hurt of other people. That's not the same thing as Jesus. We are an avenue of forgiveness. But on the other hand, we are agents of God's forgiveness in this world. We are agents of God's grace in this world. We are agents of God's peace in this world and God's life in this world. That is what the church is. We are agents of God in this world. And one of the ways we do that is to take upon ourselves, as we can, the the burdens and the sins and the struggles that other people are facing. If you're a parent or if you have someone close to you that you deeply love and you see them struggling, suffering, maybe they're physically sick, or they've been hurt emotionally, what do we often think? I I wish this was me and not them. 
I wish I were the one feeling this and not them because it's breaking my heart to see them. I wish I could take it on them. And that's the spirit that God is looking for from his people. That we have a willingness, a desire to step into the gap for people and to take up on ourselves the pain and the hurt and the shame and the guilt that they are facing so that they can be set free. But Jesus also says that we follow him. It seems pretty obvious that if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the things you will do is follow Jesus, right? And yet how often... We say we're followers of Jesus, and yet by our actions and our attitudes and what we say and do, we're really following a lot of other things. To follow Jesus is to go where Jesus goes and to to walk where Jesus walks and to run where Jesus runs and to stay where Jesus stays. It is having this mindset that we are willing to follow whatever path God designs for us, whatever path Jesus leads us. And and it may be, it probably will be, a pathway that's going to go through hardship and struggle and burden and pain. I was just talking to someone after the first service today, and we were talking about how how we go through difficult circumstances. And think one of the things that reasons why God allows us to face some difficult things is that it's in those moments when we realize how much we need Him. And when life is simple, life is easy, we have a tendency to say, I'm doing okay, I think I'm good. And we move away from God, and that leads us to bad, a bad uh, relationship with Him. It, it lessens our relationship with Him. And so sometimes the difficulties of life are intended to draw us closer to Him as we follow Him. And following Jesus cannot be sort of, you know, last resort. Jesus in the garden prays, Father, your will be done. And that's how I was taught to pray. That's how we often teach our children in the church to pray. This is what we want, Lord, but your will be done. And sometimes, often, I think, that prayer is, Lord, I really want this, but if you're not going to give me that, then fine, I'll do it your way. But if, truth be told, Lord, I kind of know better about this one than you do, so I need you to give me this one. But I recognize if you're not, I don't want to get in trouble with you, so if you're not, then I'll go your way. But, man, I can't help but think that's second best. It's ludicrous to think like that, and yet that's what we do. Following Jesus says, Lord, your way is always best. And I have my own ideas, but they are always, always in reserve to your idea. Following is hard for us because we live in a culture where our goal is to become leaders. Right? I mean, that's what, we're, that's what we train to do. We have schools of leadership. We have, we have majors in leadership. We have you know, all kinds of ways that we, we talk about leaders. We have children. You want them to grow up to be leaders. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's, leaders are great, and it's a blessing from God. It's a gift of the Spirit. But Jesus does not say, if you want to be my disciple, lead. He says, if you want to be my disciple, follow. And maybe what we need to think about is doing a better job of valuing being followers. And instead of, as one writer says, instead of, instead of another seminar, the seven traits of, of great leaders, we, maybe we ought to be having seminars that are seven traits of humble followers. And we, we have that mindset that, that 
Following is the call of the gospel. And all of this together, all that Jesus says here in verse 34 is really, it's really the mission of the church. It is the church being the church. It's God's people being God's people. It is what we do because it's what we are. And this has been true from the beginning of time. In the, in the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, from that moment on, they, the reason they sinned is because they did not want to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. And they went their own way. And from that moment on, God has been sending people over and over and over again through history to say, this is the way to life. This is the way to truth. This is the way to peace, to joy, to love, to everything that I created you to be. And it is the challenge of the cross. This is what it means to be my people. And the awesome thing is you get to the end of this, this chapter is that Jesus says, this, this is not just something you do today, but this is eternal value. This is something we're going to do throughout eternity. Because when, we, when, when Jesus ushers in his kingdom, when he reappears and he ushers in the kingdom, this is how we're going to live. This is not something we do now, sort of as a precursor to how we're going to live in, in the day in new heaven and new earth. This is what we're going to do in the new heaven and new earth. We will, be, we will only want to be there because this is the nature of the kingdom. And everything about that day will be this. This is God's will coming on earth as it is in heaven. That we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. It's that mindset that Jesus says leads to blessing. It leads to joy. It leads to grace. It leads to peace. It leads to abundant life. And as Richard John Newhouse says in his book, Death on a Friday Afternoon, there are not two avenues to discipleship. One avenue of the cross and one avenue of victorious resurrection. And some people take the cross road and some people take the resurrection road. No. The resurrection only happens because we go through the cross. Because the way of the cross is the way of life. And that's the underlying principle of the kingdom. One thing that fascinates me about this passage, I hadn't really noticed it until this week, that Jesus says at the beginning that whoever wants to be my disciple, this is how you live. Jesus is really not talking here about uh, anything other than people who want to be his disciples. And if we don't want to live this way, then what it tells us is we really don't want to be a disciple of Jesus. Because this is what it looks like to want to be a disciple. And this word want that he uses here has the meaning of desire and, and passion and motivation. But it also has the idea of, of things that we are fond of. Things that energize us. Things that we invest in. And we, we all know that we give our time and energy and resources to things that we are fond of. And despite the fact that there are all kinds of demands on our time and our money and our resources and our energy, the truth of the matter is when you boil it all down, we all do what we want to do. I mean, we do. We all do what we want to do. If something is important to us, if we are fond of it, we find a way to make the time to do it. We find the money to do it. We find the energy and the resources to do it because it's important to us. I mean, it's just a principle of life. 
we make excuses and say, well, I don't have time, or I don't have enough money. But the truth of the matter is, if we really want to do it, we find a way. And the call of the gospel is, if you really want to be a disciple of Jesus, this is your mindset. It doesn't mean that we're going to do it all in a moment, in a flash. But it's, it's a willingness. It's a desire. We, it's the kind of ways that we pray. Lord, help me. I want to deny myself and take up my cross and follow you. Because I want to know the joy and the abundant life of relationship with you. One of his books, John Ortberg, talks about the difference between trying and training mentality. The trying mentality is, you know, sure, I'll give that a shot. Somebody lays some food in front of you that you've never seen before, and you think, yeah, sure, why not? I'll give it a try. But there, and there are some things in life where that works. You know, there's some things where you say, yeah, sure, why not? Let's give it a shot. But there are lots of things that simply that isn't enough. Suppose next Saturday... You, uh, you open up uh, the internet and you, you notice or you open up a newspaper, you hear on the news that uh, there's, a, there's a marathon happening in Buffalo Saturday afternoon and you think to yourself, I've always wanted to do a marathon. I'm going to do it. I'm heading up there. You go, where are those tennis shoes? I haven't used them for months. I gotta, I'm going to probably have to find some clothes, but I'm going to do this marathon. I'm going to do it. Or if you were in the doctor's office, you noticed they had a, they had a sign up that said they were looking for a nurse. And you're thinking, you know, I've always thought that would be interesting to be a nurse. Instead of being poked, I'd like to poke. You know? And, and I would, you know, how hard can it be? You stick a needle in, draw some blood out. I mean, really? And you say, I'll do it. Let me, I'll give it a try. Or you've always loved baked goods. And you decide, I'm going to invest every penny I have into starting a bakery. But the reality is you've never even picked up a spatula or a rolling pin and you've never turned on a mixer and you don't even know how your door of your oven opens. But you invest everything you have in starting a bakery. I think every one of us would think about every one of those scenarios and say, that's just stupid, right? It's completely unreasonable. Because those are not things you just try. Those are things that you give your full training and attention to do. And John Ortberg says, if there are things in this life that are unreasonable to do without effort and energy and, and decision and training, why would we think the gospel wouldn't be one of those things? If it's important to us, if we want to, we do it. We are training in our lives for something. Something. The challenge of the cross is to live our lives in openness to the ways of God. Be willing to train to be a disciple who experiences the fullness of God's blessing with the grace of Jesus. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you.
for your mercy. Thank you for this challenge of the cross that leads us to all that you desire for us. We pray that you will give us grace to want to be disciples. We ask this through Jesus. like to invite our ushers forward as we give back to God from all that he has given to us. Roll away.
stand and sing with us. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall.
receive the benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.